Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. As we just heard in those verses read from Genesis chapter 50, we see that there was a real fear, a deep fear in the hearts of Joseph's brothers that now suddenly, now that their father Jacob was dead, now a feud might erupt between them and their brother Joseph, which had just been simmering under the surface while their father Jacob was alive. Suddenly those, those fears that had been gnawing in their hearts over the, the preceding years now came to the surface in the lives and the consciences of Joseph's brothers for the great evil that they had done against him so many years before. And so we read in verse 15, they were thinking, it may be that Joseph will hate us and will pay us back in full for all of the evil that we did to him fear of of retribution and retaliation from their brother Joseph, who was now the the second in command of all Egypt. That was a a powerful fear, as well it should have been, at least in, in our way of thinking, in the way of thinking of the world around us, because of the sense of justice that we feel whenever great wrong and evil is done. You remember back in, in the early years of Joseph's life and his interaction with his brothers, it was raw envy and, and jealousy of Joseph and his, his status as the favorite of the 12 sons of their father Jacob. That envy and jealousy that had motivated Joseph's brothers to, to do what they did to him so many years ago back in their homeland of Canaan. And first there had been the plan that they hatched that when Joseph uh, came to them as they were uh, taking care of their flocks out in the open country, that they would leave Joseph for dead in a pit and they would take his, his robe and dip it in, in animal's blood and take it back to their father and show him that they found this robe and it, it seems that a wild animal had attacked and killed Jacob's favorite son, Joseph. But then after leaving Joseph in the pit for a little while, uh, They were a little bit merciful to Joseph, and they said, well, instead of leaving him for dead, we'll bring him out of the pit and we'll sell him as a slave to some traveling merchants. And then Joseph was resold uh, to a wealthy official in Egypt named Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph of, of trying to take advantage of her, and Joseph was unjustly convicted and thrown in prison. But eventually, by God's grace, Joseph not only rose to the, to the ranks of the prisoners and was in charge of, of all the affairs of the prison, but eventually he was set free and was elevated to the second in command of all of Egypt when God gave Joseph the ability to interpret a dream that God had given to Pharaoh, a dream that foretold seven coming years of abundant harvest, but after that, seven years of severe famine, of lack of food. And so Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, put Joseph in charge of all of the planning to prepare for those coming seven years of famine. And Joseph did so by, during the seven abundant years, storing up extra grain so that the people of Egypt and and even people of the surrounding areas would be able to have enough food to eat when there was the severe famine in the land. And so it was that God used those evil events to put Joseph in a position to be able to give assistance to his brothers and his father and their wives and children and their extended family 
when Joseph's brothers came to Egypt during those years of famine to buy grain. And at first, although Joseph met them as they came to request uh, that, that purchase of grain, they didn't recognize Joseph. They weren't expecting to encounter Joseph as a high official in the land of Egypt, dressed up most probably uh, just like all the other Egyptian officials and, and not appearing as they did as, as one of the, their fellow Hebrews. So they didn't recognize Joseph. But eventually, Joseph revealed his identity to him and assured them of his love and forgiveness. That in spite of the great evil they did against him, Joseph recognized that God had worked through those evil events to put him in a position where he was now able to save all of them and their wives and children, and by so doing, also to preserve the promise of the Savior that God had said would come from the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now, now it was years after that initial reunion in Egypt And now, years later, their father Jacob had died, and now those fears came back again in the hearts of Joseph's brothers, wondering that now, finally, with their father no longer around, maybe now Joseph would take this opportunity to exact his vengeance upon them that he had just held within himself out of respect for their father. Their father Jacob had foreseen their fear, and he had left them some instructions on how to approach Joseph and ask for his mercy when he, Jacob, was no longer around. And so we read in verse 17 that Joseph's brothers sent a message to him saying, please forgive the offense of the servants of the God of your father. How about us today? Think about within our own immediate families or our circles of, of friends and, and co-workers, acquaintances, neighbors, and within our larger spiritual family of believers here in our church. We may look back on some of the, the interactions that we've had with one another and perhaps have some similar feelings of, of guilt or fear. I'm sure that none of us, as Joseph's brothers did, have sold someone into slavery But we all have Josephs in our past, someone whom whom we have wronged in some way and have not yet been reconciled with, perhaps someone that we have have hurt very deeply and and sinned against in a very serious way. So we might sometimes remember those sins that we have committed and wonder, will that person pay us back? Will they suddenly appear from our past and, and humiliate us by telling other people about the sin that we have committed? These are real fears that we experience. Now, such fears can sometimes be healthy for us in a way when they lead us to confess the sins that we have committed and the sins that, that, that lie behind those fears that we feel in our hearts. And so if, if that is what those feelings lead us to do, And that is actually a good thing. It prepares our hearts for the reassurance, the absolution, the benediction, the blessing promised by our God and and that we receive from God through the hands and through the words of our brothers and sisters in faith when they speak those words of forgiveness to us. Back to Joseph and, and his brothers. When that message from his brothers came to Joseph, we read that Joseph wept. He was filled with emotion again at 
knowing that his brothers still had not accepted what he had told them, that he forgave them, that he trusted that God was working through these events. Joseph may have recalled all of the the moments uh, when they had not been in conflict and strife uh, uh, back before they had had that conflict when he was sold into slavery. And then after their reunion again in Egypt, he also wept because his brothers lacked the confidence in, in the words that Joseph had spoken previously to them, assuring them of his love and forgiveness for them and realizing that this was hindering the development of peace between them. We can only wonder how many sleepless nights and anxious days Joseph's brothers must have spent in Egypt wondering and worrying if if any day now, any time soon, that moment of vengeance would finally come from their brother. What about us? And any festering fears that we might have about the brother or sister that we have wronged. Don't let the shame or the fear uh, of what you have done, the, the fear of being paid back, don't let that obscure the relationship that you have in Christ by the grace of God. Praise God that the Christian brother or sister that we have offended has learned to pray together with us, our Father in heaven, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Although we may be buffeted by fears and guilt because of what we have done or what we have failed to do for someone, let's not lose sight of the relationship that we have in Christ by adoption as sons and daughters in the family of our Heavenly Father. Our Lord Jesus, who hung on the cross of Calvary for the forgiveness of our sins, also hung there for the forgiveness of the sins of the people that we have sinned against. The brother or sister that we have hurt has heard the same loving word of caution from Jesus that we have. When Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, if you forgive people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive people their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Joseph responded to his brothers, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Now, paradoxically, the answer to that question is kind of yes and no. Now, Joseph was implying, no, I am not in the place of God. I I don't have the authority to enact vengeance upon you for the evil that you have done against me. Only God has that authority. That was the attitude that had motivated Joseph's life as one of the 12 sons of Jacob, and then later on as a slave in the the household of Potiphar, and then finally as second in command to the king of Egypt himself. Joseph was always aware of his status as a steward of the grace of God. That God is compassionate and full of mercy toward all sinful people. That God loves all of humankind and wants them to come to repentance and to faith in him as the God who forgives and saves. Joseph deeply felt that responsibility to share that message of God's love and mercy with others, beginning with those in the household of faith who were with him, his brothers and, and his, their, their children and their families. So in that sense, Joseph could also answer that question with a yes. 
Yes, I am in the place of God, in a sense. And so that's why Joseph began his remarks to his brothers with the words, do not be afraid. Regardless of where we search in God's word, we rejoice to hear God addressing those who are his through faith with the words, do not be afraid. Peace be with you. Fear not. Do not let your heart be troubled. And I thank God, as I'm sure you do, that for the the Josephs in life, the people that we have sinned against, who can stand in the place of our Heavenly Father with that same benediction, do not be afraid. With those same words of forgiveness that they are able to speak to us when we have sinned against them and ask for their forgiveness. And they speak in the place of God, I forgive you. Because Jesus has fully paid for your sins by his death on the cross. But then comes a a, a doubting voice, a nagging voice in the back of our minds. Oh, sure, it was easy for Joseph to speak like that to his brothers. Look at the position he was in. Look at who he was and where he was. He'd been the favorite son of Jacob, their father, the owner of the coat of many colors. Now he was second only to the Pharaoh in the land of Egypt, about whom Pharaoh himself had decreed, in the whole land of Egypt, no one will lift up his hand or his foot without your permission. Joseph. But was that really what motivated Joseph? Even though he might have been the favored son of Jacob, Jacob was now dead. Even though he might have been second only to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, did Pharaoh really care about the concerns of of this potential family feud among Joseph and his brothers? Listen to Joseph's motivation as he responded to his brothers in verse 20. He said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring this to pass and to keep many people alive. What Joseph spoke about in response to his brother's fears was the grace of God, God's love to undeserving sinners. What was happening in the lives of Joseph and his brothers was a foretaste of God's plan for the whole of humankind. When almost 2,000 years after the time of Joseph and his brothers, the son of our heavenly father, Jesus, would be handed over to his enemies, be treated spitefully, whipped, mocked, and crucified as he bore the sins of all people on himself to death on the cross. And of those immediately responsible for Jesus' death, Judas, Pontius Pilate, the soldiers, the teachers of the law, and the Pharisees, and ultimately even you and me, it can be said of all of them and us, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring this to pass and to keep many people alive. Ultimately, and for eternity at Calvary and the empty tomb, God's grace was at work. In the life of Joseph and his brothers, as well as in our lives and the lives of those that we have sinned against, God's grace is also at work. God takes undeserving sinners like you and me and bathes us in his love. The Apostle Paul described Joseph's motivations when he said in in that cherished passage, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, 
we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose. And the church father, St. Augustine, echoed this motivation when he wrote, God is so good that he does not permit evil to be done unless he can draw great good from it. So the goodness of God takes whatever evils we may have committed against other people and the fears that we might have about their grudges they may hold or or any payback they might take against us, and it draws similar great good from those things. That is God's grace at work. And so what is our response to God's grace and to the people that we have sinned against in our lives? Well, history records an event in the life of another early church father, John of Constantinople, that he had quarreled with a fellow believer. And as the day drew to a close, he remembered the quarrel that had happened earlier in the day, and he remembered the word of God in Ephesians chapter 4, which says, Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And so he sent word to the person with whom he had had that dispute, saying simply, Brother, The sun is going down. And that brother in Christ understood exactly what John meant, and he hurried back to him, and the two of them were reconciled to each other before the sun set that very day. So for us today, let us carefully consider this account of Joseph and his brothers. Let's look around at our immediate families, within our extended families and this spiritual family of believers, our circles of friends and neighbors and coworkers, and consider whether we might need to say to someone, friend, the sun is going down. Let us be reconciled. May we have many opportunities to forgive those who sin against us, just as we have been so richly forgiven by our Heavenly Father through Jesus, our Savior. Amen.